substitutions. Distractions, excuses, and substitutions. If you have your Bible and you want to turn with us, we're going to go to Luke chapter 14, and uh, we'll be reading verses 16 through 24. I'm going to save reading that until a little bit later. Uh, But if you want it in your Bible, you want to make notes, that way you'll have it. Um, Distractions. Distractions can kill. And, um, you know, I saw a statistic that said that distracted driving accounted for over 3,400 deaths in 2016. And that's according to the Center for Disease Control. Uh, Another study cited that 391,000 injuries occurred because of distracted driving. And uh, that's a lot of, lot of injuries. It's a lot of dead people because of distracted driving. Now, how many of us will admit we've been distracted driving before? There's a bunch of liars in this room. <laughs> I think Joel and I raised our hands. Uh, we all get distracted sometimes. And, uh, you know, it's important not to be distracted. But distractions can kill us, and distractions can have a negative impact on our life. Another study that I read about was writing about the social media uh, and how much it has played into distraction at workplaces. And the title of the, the study was Social Media at Workplace, very profound title for the study. But they said employees spend 32% of their time on social media at work. That's an amazing statistic. And I've read stories about people who uh, have died because of smartphones, not just in driving, but uh, I read the story of a man who was trying to get that perfect selfie and ended up falling off of a cliff because he wasn't paying attention to how close he was to what he was trying to get a picture of. And uh, he died because he was distracted by his smartphone. And <clears throat> distractions in the real world are very much a, a problem. It can be a problem for us physically if we die from it. It can be a problem uh, for us if it ruins our families. It can be a lot of problems. But one of the biggest areas, the biggest problems I see with distractions and I'm concerned with is that sometimes we can allow distractions to become the thing that gets between us and what God is doing or is calling us to do in our life. Because it's too easy to allow life to get into the way of spiritual things because life is this physical thing, but sometimes spiritual things, you forget to pray one day, that doesn't seem like that big of an issue, right? It's a spiritual thing. And there's a lot of distractions in life. And the enemy, I have found, will use this tactic of distraction to keep us distracted from what God is trying to do in our life, in our family, in our church. Distractions. And I want to talk today about the things that will cause us to miss out on the master and what the master is doing, and the call to the master's table. In Luke 14, Jesus gave this parable. In verse 16, he said, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. 
and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. The servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. Now what I notice about the master here is the master is not okay with having an empty table. Everything has been completed, it's been set in order, table places are set, and no one is available to come. The chosen people who were asked to come are not available. They have excuses. Some Uh, may seem like valid excuses, some others pretty lame excuses, but they all have excuses of why they cannot come, and they ask to be excused. But the master is not satisfied with having an empty table. Having done the work and having had the servants prepare all of the meal, he says, no, if you can't get the ones who have been chosen to come, go and invite those that are available. And when there's still room, he again sends the servant and says, you go out and you find anyone in the highways, the hedges, the byways, you go out and you compel them to come in and invite them to eat this supper. And those people that I had invited, they will not taste my supper. And what I notice in this parable is that the master, first we know he's dead set on having a full table. But what I notice about the people that are invited is that every one of them have some form of excuse. The first one says, I've bought a piece of land. The second one says, I've bought five oxen, and I need to test them. I need to put them to work and see what they can do. The third one says, I've married a wife, and I'm not able to come. Here are the distractions that kept them from the master's supper. The first one said, I have something to see. I bought a land. I've got something to go see. The second one said, I've got these oxen. I've got to go test them. I've got something to do. I've got work to be done. The third one said, I married a wife. I have And what he was saying is, I have something else to enjoy. I have some other pleasure in life that is going to keep my attention away from the master. And each excuse was one that I found can always be applied to every one of our lives. There's always something else to see. There's always something else to do. There's always some other pleasure at hand that you can enjoy. But those excuses are insufficient for getting to the master's table. They had this opportunity in front of them. 
They were all called. They were all chosen. The table was prepared. It was set for them. But they found something else in life that could distract them and take them away from what was in that moment the most important thing. The work could have been done another day. The land could have been seen another day. Of course, we know the spouse was going to be there after that supper. The spouse was not going to leave because they went to supper. If anything, the spouse would be happy to go eat too. But there was a distraction. There was some other excuse. There was something there that they felt was more important than the master's supper. And I get concerned sometimes that we allow distractions in our life to get in the way. What is the thing, what excuse or distraction do you have that is allowed to come between you and the master? Because every one of us can find some distraction in our life. There are days when I wake up and instead of setting aside that that time that I've set for the Lord, I feel pressed. I have to hurry and go and get out there and do some things. And sometimes it's because I slept up, slept in a little bit. That snooze button was just a little too close to the bed. But what do I do? I wake up running, ragged, distracted. When the most important thing in life could be and should be spending time with the Master eating from his word, spending time with him in prayer, spending time with our Lord. And I see this in people's lives. There's always work to be done. I was talking with someone this week, and they were telling me, I'm you know, sorry, we're not going to be able to be there at this event. We're working. And I can remember when I worked at Boeing and Aircraft, there were Sundays that they wanted me to work, and I can remember when my son, we dedicated my son. I went to work in the morning, and I left work in order to get to the church service so that he could be dedicated to the Lord. And I know I've been there. I've had that pressure and that stress applied to my life where they say, you know, you need to show up, or, and there's a hint towards circumstances that you don't want to unfold. Distractions and excuses. And sometimes it's our own, and sometimes it's ones that life brings to us, and sometimes it's some that the enemy delivers at our doorstep and says, I'll see if they can bite on this hook. But distractions and excuses. And there's no distraction or excuse because the master wants to have a full table. And that'll happen with me or without me. He needs to have a full table table when the meal is served. And so he substitutes. And this is what I want to get across to you today. There will be substitutes, but don't be substituted. Be the substitute. The call has gone out. It's for everyone. It's for every person, whosoever will. Whoever will respond to the call of the Lord, whosoever will. The call has went out, but some will be substituted and others will be the substitute. And what I notice about the substitutes in the parable is that the first he calls for is he says the poor. You go out and you find the poor. 
Well, think about what someone in poverty, they cannot afford to buy land. So it looks like an inability. It looks like a hindrance in their life. They're probably sitting there thinking, man, if I had as much money as that guy could go buy that piece of land, my life would be so much better. But it's because of their inability to buy the land that they get to take advantage of the supper at the master's house. The second and third that he calls for are the maimed and lame. The maimed and lame, they are not able to work. And so they're living the life of the beggar, and they cannot work. And their inability to work, it looks like a hindrance in their life. It looks like the thing that is keeping them from achieving much more in life than they probably had imagined and thought would come to them. But it's because they're maimed and they're lame that they replace the one who says, I'm sorry, I can't come. I've bought some ox, and I've got to go put them to test. I've got to go work them in the field. That maimed and that lame, they replace the person who has the ability to work. The blind is the fourth he calls for, and that blind person is the person they cannot, it doesn't matter if they're married or not, they can't see the spouse. They can't see the beauty of the one they're married to. And so the blind replace the one that can see and the one that can enjoy the pleasure that is in front of them. It's interesting because what happens in life is so many times we look at ourselves and we start thinking, I have this against me and I have this inability and I'm missing here and I'm lacking here. And we look at all of the people around us and they look put together, they look sharp, they look like they've got everything in order. And we're looking saying, I don't have that, I don't have that ability, I am going to be left out. But it's that inability It's that thing that is lacking that puts you at the right table. So whatever it is in your life that you think, man, if I just had this, or the thing that you hate the most about yourself, that may be the very thing that causes you to end up at the master's supper, sitting at the table with everyone else. That lack that inability. I think so often about the stories in Scripture that are there. Zacchaeus, if he had not been short, he never would have climbed a tree and Jesus never would have saw him. It was his inability. It was his his challenge in life that brought salvation to his home. And there are story after story in Scripture where the master intervenes and steps into a situation because of lack and inability. See, what the world wants to do, what Satan wants to do, is keep every one of us distracted and every one of us full of excuses so that whenever the master does come knocking and calls and says, I've done everything, everything is ready, It's all set. The table is set. You have a place at the table. Be too distracted. And instead of being the substitute, we become substituted. Instead of being the substitute, we become the one who gets substituted. I've learned in my life now that 
the things that I'm struggling with in the moment a lot of times are the very place where God is wanting to work in my life. If you think about Moses and Abraham and so many others, it was the things where they struggled that God was more present in their life. Moses would never have went back to Egypt and led people out of Egypt had he not endured going through the desert, had he not endured going to the mountain where God met him, had he not endured all of these things, what seemed like a handicap in his life became the thing that God used. The same thing with Abraham. God spoke to Abraham in the Ur of Chaldees and he called him out, said, you separate yourself from these people. And it was only after he had separated himself that God spoke again the promise to Abraham that God had put in Abraham's life. And you can see in the story, every time there was this wrestling of faith, God would give a promise and he would be in Egypt and he would lie about his wife. Even though God had just got through telling him, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to give you a land. Abraham would take it in his own hands and he would lie. He was educated, but only the education came whenever it was in those moments of battle, of struggle, of challenge. You know what we do? We get into the middle of these challenges, the middle of struggles, and we pine over it, right? We start saying, I'm, I'm really going through this. I'm struggling through what is going on in my life. And we hate the challenge. We just want the challenge to be gone. We want the struggle to be gone. But it's in the middle of that challenge, in the middle of that struggle, that God is leading us and teaching us, and we come out on the other side having experienced the blessings of God. You never need a miracle without a need. And you never ever experience the mountaintop without a valley. But if we allow life, the enemy, he takes all of the things that are going on in our lives and says, here, distraction. Here, here's another excuse. Here's a reason that you can't overcome. Here's a reason that you can't get every promise that God has given for you. Here's a distraction. And when we allow the distraction, we become substituted instead of being the substitute. I want to be the substitute. I want to be the one, maybe I'm the poor man, maybe I'm maimed and lame, maybe I'm blind. I don't care which inability it is, I just want to be the substitute and not end up being the substituted. If you'll stand with me, a short sermon this morning. The excuses that were given, I have something to see. There's always going to be something else to see. 
I have something to do. There's always going to be something to do. I have something else to enjoy. There's always going to be something else that we can enjoy. And the master is saying, anyone who will, I've got the table prepared. Don't give me the excuses. Don't be distracted. Just come. Just come and spend some time with me. Come. The meal's prepared. It's ready. We settled down and quit traveling started working on planning the church uh, starting the church here and now having it grow God's dealt with me over a six year period I've, I've learned for myself that that I and my wife can agree with this she'll, she'll prove what I'm saying she can prove what I'm saying I can find myself just head down buried in work and there's always something else to do and you're probably the same way there's a never ending list of tasks and things you have to get done and work on right you open up that task uh, list and, and it's just there and there's never been a day where there wasn't something on that task list I wish I could say that I've, I always get my task list done and there's nothing the next day. That'd be awesome. But there's always something else to be done. And I've learned there's always something else to go see. There's always something else to go enjoy. But I have to intentionally put all of those distractions away and make the kingdom first. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. Let's let the Spirit of the Lord speak to us for just a moment. God, you see every person that's here this morning? God, you see what's going on in their situation? Lord, you see what distractions there are in our lives that we maybe even brought in here with us today? God, you see through the frailty of excuses that we have, about setting our life on the right course before you. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that your spirit, God, would help to convict us. God, I pray that you'd convict me. God, help us to lay aside every weight and sin that does easily beset us, distracts us, and takes us away from what is truly the most important things in this life. that you'd help us today in Jesus name Amen as she plays and begins to sing I want to invite our church family if you would come join with us around the front if you're a guest here today uh, we invite you to come you don't feel like you have to church family I wonder if we would just take a moment and let's just do a little bit of introspection of thinking about what is it? Am I allowing some distraction in my life to keep me from the will of God, what God's asking of me? Is it keeping me from the master's table?
Do I have distractions and excuses and things that are standing in the way of what God wants to do? There's not a mountain too tall There's not a problem too 